We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 33. I'm your host, as always, Chris Phillips. Joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Tyler Clark. we got a packed show for you guys today. Going to be breaking down everything uh, from the Gamecocks 26-19 victory in the Outback Bowl uh, to kind of taking a look back at some of the South Carolina basketball news. The Gamecocks playing last night at Colonial Life Arena uh, in a losing effort to Missouri. Uh, also, recap, it was a wild day in college football on New Year's Day. Uh, all that and more. Before we get into all that, be sure to follow us on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Go there, rate, subscribe. Um, tell us what you like, don't like about the show. Leave us all your feedback. Uh, obviously, we appreciate all the feedback there. I was also just informed, Tyler, we are on the Stitcher app. For any of our Android users out there, if you just prefer to use Stitcher for any reason, uh, we are there. The Spurs Up Show, same name. Be sure to check us out there. I think you can subscribe there as well. Um, Follow us on Twitter, as always, at Armchair Car. It's going to be at Armchair S-C-A-R. All, all of our latest breaking uh, Twitter news, tweets, you know, our feed there, obviously. Um, and also be sure to follow us on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina for all of our posts there. And, of course, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans, armchairallamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com uh, for all the latest breaking Gamecock news, coverage, the podcast, of course. Uh, and all of our other sports coverage there as well. So, like I said, diving right into it, uh, we're going to be breaking down everything that happened on Monday afternoon, New Year's Day. Uh, the Gamecocks find themselves in a New Year's Day Bowl for the first time since 2013. Outback Bowl against the same Michigan Wolverines. Uh, the Gamecocks, despite an extremely slow start, a game that was 9-3 to at halftime, South Carolina finds a way to score 23 second-half points. Uh, in that process, getting, you know, gaining five turnovers from Michigan, um, get a spark on offense and get the victory 26 to 19. So Tyler, you know, like I mentioned, obviously the game, you know, we all watched it get off to an excruciating slow start after two and a half quarters. I thought South Carolina was dead in the rights. Um, I had a tweet when it was, I believe 16 to three or 19 to three that just basically said, you know, I think it would be un. Uh, unrealistic and you know unreasonable to ask this offense to score two touchdowns to make a comeback. Um, South Carolina looks like they're about to go down 26-7, finds a way. Javon Kinlaw with the fumble recovery. Um, you know, South Carolina is able to get the ball back again and kind of, you know, get a run going, hit some throws and, you know, hit some plays, on, finally hit some plays on offense. And, 
you know, come away with a win. So, Tyler, talk about kind of your initial reactions to the game, just kind of what you saw and what your thoughts were. I'm kind of like you. I had – I tweeted somewhere during, I think, the second quarter. It was when Michigan scored the first touchdown, actually. I was like, well, that's ball game. Uh, it was it was off to the start. We all thought it would. And I thought, I thought the defense played better than I anticipated they would. I think that was their best effort all year. Um, but, yeah, I thought there was no way – and that uh, South Carolina would score two touchdowns, uh, much less one in that game. So I was pleasantly surprised in the uh, second half. Yeah, and absolutely. It was, uh, yeah, like I said, it was excruciating to watch at the least in the first half, really on both sides. I mean, South Carolina's defense, you know, definitely had a had a pretty good day. They, they played well pretty much the whole game, especially. I mean, not just the second half. I mean, both teams, it, I think at halftime it was – Michigan had 97 yards of offense. South Carolina had like 85 or 89 or something. It was awful on both sides. Brandon Peters, the quarterback from Michigan, I wasn't very impressed with him. He just looked like a young guy. I mean, just kind of trying to find his way out there. But um, Michigan able to, you know, get those points in the first half off of, you know, the muffed punt between Javon Charleston and Chris Lamont's, uh, you know, interceptions owned by Jake Millen kind of gave them some short field position. I think I read a stat today. Maybe it was yesterday. I don't think Michigan didn't go farther than 35 yards on any of their field goal drives. The only drive they went farther than 35 yards was the, the touchdown drive. I think they went like 71 yards or something. But yeah, just diving right into the offense. Obviously, I think they were the hot topic coming in because I think we all kind of expected everyone expected this to be a low scoring game, both defenses to kind of dominate. Um, you definitely saw the talent that Michigan has with Rashawn Gary on the D line. Uh, a couple other guys. I mean, they, they got athletes all over the field, especially on defense. Um, you know, I definitely thought that, you know, South Carolina came out and definitely tried to do some different things on uh, on offense. I mean, the first thing I the first thing I noticed right away was from the, you know, the Stephen Garcia piece where he talked about kind of the staggered footing of Jake Bentley. I noticed that was different. You know, but overall scheme, South Carolina looked like they definitely tried to go more, tried to go more up-tempo. Um which maybe bit them a little bit early, you know, because the thing with up tempo is if you can't get first downs, you're going to be off the field in about 30 seconds. Um, I thought early it may have hurt them a little bit, but definitely trying some new things, like some different formations as well. We didn't see as many predictable runs for sure. I mean, that, that was one thing that was really nice. Except on so the uh, many... third and five. I'll say that. Yeah, the third <laughs> and five run at the middle and the third and one continuing to try to run it at the middle was feeling. I don't know if Kurt Roper stole the mic from Brian McClendon on those two, but Definitely, uh, you know, th- th- <laughs> it was a uh, questionable calls at the time for sure. But uh, talk about kind of your impressions, you know, because I think, you know, obviously the second half was great. I mean, Jake Bentley finally hit the throws that, you know, he had missed all year. That throw to Shai Smith, he hit the long one, was a throw that I think we can both agree Jake Bentley has missed this season. You know, he finally hits it, a perfect strike, um, you know, to kind of keep building on the Gamecocks momentum. Uh, talk about sort of your impressions. You know, I, I know there's not much we can take away, but what you thought of Brian McClendon, just sort of the look of the offense uh, in this game compared to what we saw during the season. I think the thing that I noticed more is throughout the game later on, um, you could tell that he started to realize what, what worked and what didn't uh, and didn't try to keep, you know, hammering it and thinking that it would just work all of a sudden. Uh, out of the second half, you saw a lot a lot different uh a lot more different routes. Like the, uh, there was a quick, you know, it was an RPO, obviously, but it was a, a play action, and he, Jake Bentley kind of runs to his right and then throws a quick screen to Brian Edwards. Like that's, that's like a five yard play in the game, but it's something that 
fans didn't see all year. Um, you know, and as the game went on, things like that got a lot better. Uh, and throwing balls, you know, down the sidelines or, you know, over the middle, they're just – it's just different. Uh, I think that's what fans wanted all year is, you know, to make an adjustment at some point when you realize – I mean, I, th- I think uh, everyone realized the tempo was not going to work uh, against that defense. And to be fair, I don't think this t- the tempo really works well with this offense at all. I just don't see it with all – with all the tempo offenses we've seen, you know, in the last – five or 10 years around the country, this offense just doesn't seem like one of those that uh, needs to be a tempo offense. So obviously he realized that didn't work. So you tried something else. Uh, and when you start getting turnovers and you get on your side of the field or Michigan side of the field, you can do a lot more. And I think, you know, that's the difference we saw. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I, I didn't hate the tempo offense. I mean, I think that everyone kind of moves fast nowadays in college football. So it's, I, I don't think you have to move playing golf when they say you want to swing hard well you want to swing as hard as you can but under control I think if you can you know incorporate tempo but go as fast as you can under control for the offense you know I think that's that's kind of the sweet spot you want to be in you definitely don't want to go too fast and get yourself out of out of position and making bad throws and bad plays stuff like that so I think yeah I definitely think they adjusted you know definitely made some adjustments at halftime Jake Bentley even said they sort of adjusted doing more uh uh, perimeter runs, which was something I thought definitely in the first half they tried to go up the middle way too much. I definitely think the uh, the strength of South Carolina's offensive line and running game is the perimeter, and that was one thing I was going to point out too was, you know, I think definitely one of the biggest parts of the game was Zach Bailey playing a much bigger role in the second half in the tackle position. Uh, you know, he was out, I, I read, pretty much the entire first half, second quarter, but – um, definitely, I think him coming in and having your best offensive lineman in there is huge. Um, and then we got to see someone else come back from injury, Rico Dowdle, on the touchdown run. Uh, had a great touchdown run. It was great to see him come back. Uh, I think it was like what, like a 20, 22-yard touchdown run, something like that. Um, he finished the day, I believe, around 71 rushing yards or uh, 70 rushing yards. Had a great day. So That's another you know, He was kind of a guy again. Here, by the way. And yeah, that was and that was that was a play we talked about in the pre. Uh, we heard, you know, they were practicing that, and it was, yeah, I mean, definitely not a play that we saw all year. And, um, you know, it, it was funny because that same play came up in the Oklahoma Georgia game, which we're going to get in all those other games in a bit. But uh, Kurt Curbstreet was sort of talking about. I think it was a play where it didn't work for Oklahoma. He was talking about the pitch relationship between the quarterback and the running back, and how running back was a little too close to the quarterback, so he wasn't able to get to the outside. On the play with South Carolina ran, it was perfect pitch relationship. Rico Dowdle was probably two or three yards away from Bentley. You know, I don't know that there was ever a threat Bentley would keep it, but Rico Dowdle was far enough out that once he made the pitch, Dowdle's speed, you know, got him to the corner. So he got the touchdown. So Dowdle had six carries for 45 yards, my mistake, but he averaged 7.5 yards a carry. That was a 30-yard touchdown run, so – was great to see him back in the lineup, obviously. Um, you know, I, again, I just think the offensive line play, I, I thought they played pretty well all game. Uh, South Carolina actually became, they only had 300 yards of offense, but Michigan's defense, again, has been stingy. They, they, South Carolina, I think it was just, they're just the third team to rack up 300 yards or more on Michigan this season, and 26 points was the second highest scoring total. So, um, you know, again, with the offense, it was, it was night and day difference in the first half and second half. I mean, I definitely... 100% think the short fields, like you mentioned, with the 
the turnovers, you know, made all the difference. South Carolina's defense, keeping them, just keeping them in the game over and over again. Um, but, you know, one of the big things Tyler, I was going to say that I really liked as far as the play calling was concerned, uh, South Carolina gets the, I believe it's the second fumble in the game. And the next play, Brian McClendon dials up a post route to uh, Brian Edwards. Brian goes up and gets it, takes, takes a shot in the end zone. And it felt, ve- it felt very Spurrier-esque, just something that we hadn't seen all season again, you know, taking shots after a turnover. Um, I-, I thought that was a huge turning point as well. And, I mean, it got the game a 19-16, to 16, a three-point game, and we kind of know what happened from there. Yeah, I mean, the that Brian Edwards touchdown, you know, he steps back and you look in the end zone and you're like, no way he's about to throw this. Those that, you know, it's kind of double coverage, but, you know, you, you go, let him go up and get it. And that's something uh, I think all Gamecock fans wanted to see all year was let Brian Edwards go get one. And Ortrey Smith, but I think Ortrey kind of faded towards the end of the year. He, you know, he just never got open uh, and dropped a few passes. But we definitely saw out of Brian Edwards what, you know, we tried to see all year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's definitely a situation. I mean, Brian Edwards absolutely mossed that guy. And that's the kind of the situation you know, he talked about the week leading up to that game. You know, he wants to be compared to the greats in the South Carolina career with Sidney Rice and Alshon Jeffrey and those guys. And, I mean, that's just the kind of play. You know, I thought Jake Milley made a good throw. He threw it up high where, you know, Brian, you know, could go up and get it and go over the defense and exactly what happened. So, it was, you know, a great play. Um, but, yeah, like like I said before, the defense really set everything up for the offense, I feel like, in this game. Um, again, the Gamecocks really uh, – that bend but don't break mentality. Um, you know, Michigan was able to get some yards, although South Carolina held Michigan to under 300 yards of offense. Five second-half turnovers, three fumbles, two picks. And, Tyler, the, the biggest thing, you know, Javon Kinlaw, uh, what he had, one fumble recovery and another forced fumble. The quote he had after the game <laughs> was probably one of the funniest things I've ever read, and I'll read it for anybody who may have missed it, on the fumble uh, on which he forced the fumble. He said, quote, I looked in his eye, he looked in my eye, he gave that ball up. Basically <laughs> saying kind of almost a clowny s type deal where he saw me, I saw him, and he was scared. So just Javon Kinlaw continues to be one of the funniest guys, maybe in college football. He's going to be an absolute blast to – watch and cover for the next, you know, two to maybe three years. It's awesome. He had a great game. The defensive line had a great game. Sky Moore, you know, finishes leading the team in tackles all four years. Uh, absolutely great for him. You know, well-deserved. I think T.J. Brunson was pretty close to him this season. But um, leading the team tackles all four years, I think they said he's just the 15th player in NCAA history, Division One history, That's to great. do that. Um, yeah, it's insane, insane record. And uh, – Ties obviously tied for the school record of 14 picks. I, I tell you, he almost had his 15th yeah, one did. that I think went right through his hands. That was I, I thought he was about to end the game there and set the record. But um, you know, talk about Tyler, kind of what you saw from this defense. I mean, I, I just really think again, the defense, there's not a whole lot you can say about him just besides they continue to improve, they continue to be opportunistic. I mean, it's a Will Muschamp defense, and what what Will Muschamp and you know T Rob have done with this defense in just the short span they've been at South Carolina has been you know, more than impressive. Yeah, Michigan didn't run the ball as much as I thought they would because, you know, they're down – they've been down, what, three or four quarterbacks all year. Uh, that quarterback looked horrible. Uh, I, I don't think uh, – I would have wanted <clears throat> throwing the ball that much. Uh, and once once they started throwing at almost every play, it seemed like the amount of pressure that the, the defensive line and, and T.J. Brunson had a ton of blitzes. 
uh, he got he got through the offensive line pretty much every play. It seemed like uh, DJ Wanham as well. So I just didn't I didn't think they'd run or throw the ball that much, and it was definitely their downfall um, because he was kind of running for his life all day. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it got to the point for me, you know, pretty uh, <clears throat> pretty early in the game, but definitely throughout where I, I, it, it it felt like one of those old school South Carolina games where I just genuinely felt there's no way that they can score. There's just no way. I mean, the play call – I mean, Michigan fans have every gripe to have as much as South Carolina has had throughout the season. I mean, the play calling was as conservative as, as it could be, even when it wasn't Brandon Peters, the quarterback – you know, for Michigan, couldn't really just couldn't make the throws. He looked overwhelmed. I was honestly more worried when John O'Corn came in. I, I was like, put the other guy back in. I, I don't think he can do anything against us. I don't know what John O'Corn can do, but I, I've watched Brandon Peters all day, and the kid's not very good. <laughs> He's just not. I think very O'Corn good, so. threw like four or five interceptions uh, in the one start he got. I think it was against. Yeah, Wisconsin. I just saw him against uh, Ohio State, and he looked he looked okay in that game. But, you know, it's just – I don't know. I felt really confident with Peters in there. It's kind of funny to say. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I really – honestly, I mean, it was just kind of one of those games. You just felt like Michigan – you got the ball back with, what, a minute 46 left or something like that after Parker White missed the field goal. I, I had no worries that Michigan would go down and score. I just really didn't. So, I mean, it was – you know, it, it was just fun to watch this defense, the way they've grown, you know, the way they've progressed. I mean, again, it's a Will Muschamp defense through and through. Um, but obviously also great to see the offense get some help. I mean, or the offense provides some help. Um, like I said, a tale of two halves, really. I mean, uh, speaking of, you know, obviously Parker White, just diving into special teams a little bit because special teams was a big part of this game. Parker White, two for three on field goals, uh, made the long one to start the game, <clears throat> had a short one and then missed the, I think it was 48-yarder. Tyler, what was your thoughts on them going for that field goal there? I, I'm not sure. I forget what the down and distance was, but I'm pretty sure it was fourth and fairly short I I wanted them to go for it I mean I didn't hate the decision to kick I mean Parker White's been kicking better as much criticism we've given him this season um made the longer one earlier but I I don't know I kind of would have liked to see him go for it there I don't know I feel like it goes with Muschamp kind of trusting him all year and he said he was going to keep trusting him keep trusting him I think it was just a pride thing like hey you know I'm gonna stick to my (laughs) word here even though he's one for 12 beyond 40 yards um, you just got to trust him to kick it, and he has a ton of trust in him. So I said, I mean, if you make it, uh, game's over. So I think that's what he was going for there. Plus, I mean, yeah. I don't think that he was worried about the defense uh, giving up any scores. Yeah, no, true. And it, it wasn't a terrible kick, but it, it's so funny to watch the broadcast and they pull up his stats, and you're like, God, he's 13 for 23. Like, it's just – I mean – you know, not to pile on him, but man, it is so bad. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's so, it's so bad. Thirteen to twenty-three. I mean, for a quarterback—that's not great for a quarterback completion percentage, much less for a kicker. Um, you know, again, on the special teams, you know, it's it's funny from you know the Clemson game and this game. It's it's been kind of a wild ride for South Carolina on special teams. I mean, you've got the. You had the early fumble, you know, like we mentioned, where Javon Charleston – or Chris Lamont, excuse me, on the return, thought that Javon Charleston's foot may have hit the ball. It was really, really, really close. Um, Lamont kind of tries to make a play on the ball to save what he thought was the fumble, can't corral it in. Michigan gets the ball at basically, what, midfield, South Carolina's 45-yard line. In the first half, one of their field goal drives, 
Uh, South Carolina's defense bows their neck again, and then Michigan gives Michigan gives the ball right back in the second half on a fumble on a fair catch that was a complete fail by the Michigan return man. Just I, the ball, I guess, flat out hit him right in the shoulder or the helmet, bounces away, and you know the guy, one of the guys that didn't have a big game on offense, but that had a big you know impact on special teams. AJ Turner made a huge tackle down there, like the dude is a beast. On the coverage, yeah, and then recovered that fumble too. So to AJ for a big day, big day on special teams. It was a uh, like we mentioned, it was a wild game, it was an eventful game. Again, the Outback Bowl champs, South Carolina. Apparently, I read now, Tyler, they have the percentage in Outback Bowl history. So take that for uh, you know. Or whatever you want to, I guess. <laughs> Gamecocks are really good in the Outback Bowl, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, really, in all seriousness, taking a look at the big picture, I mean, South Carolina gets the nine wins, just the seventh time in school history. You know, they get to nine wins in a season where, you know, I actually tweeted a picture out a couple, about an hour ago, of the four and eight prediction that SEC Network guys had for South Carolina. A season where, you know, not a whole lot of people expecting much out of them. You know, a pretty solid season, eight regular season wins, ninth bowl game win. So, you know, overall, Tyler, I'd say, that, you know, the 2017-2018 season was, you know, a success by, you know, the standards I think that we were given in the preseason. Yeah, 100%. I think I predicted seven and five uh, for the regular season in my preseason article, and I thought seven and five when I had it typed out because I originally went through the schedule and had an eight and four. I was like – there is absolutely no way this team goes eight and four. So I, ha- I think I went back and made the NC State game a loss. Um, well, I think the Florida game is another. That was the that was the game I lost. Um, obviously, I had us picking to beat Kentucky, uh, but Florida was just horrible. So that was I had that as a loss. But I just never thought this team had it in to go eight and four, uh, even with the you know, the letdown that the schedule kind of was. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the schedule for 2018. Uh, just as good. I'll say that. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. You got that that big matchup with UGA in week two. I'm just glad South Carolina finally opens the season with a reasonably uh, easy opponent. They got Coastal Carolina at home on a Saturday, which is – you know, a little bit easier than facing the North Carolinas and the NC State to the world, or going on the road and conference play for sure. But uh, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a full recap article for the season, kind of grading the season, if you will, coming out later today. But we can give out some game balls and kind of actually do that right now on the podcast as well. Because I'd be kind of interested to get your thoughts. So balls for the Gamecocks winning against Michigan, Tyler. I've got on offense wide receiver Brian Edwards. Just the day he had Archer a touchdown, kind of a Maybe a more obvious pick, but had a huge impact on the game. Linebacker TJ Brunson had two sacks on the day. His first two he had his first sack of the year, which I thought was pretty crazy. He he hasn't had a sack yet, but had his first two sacks of the year, two sacks in the game. As I said before, was right there with Sky Moore, you know, as far as, you know, uh leading the team in tackles, but Sky Moore gets the you know, finishes up leading in that category, but just had a fantastic season. I think he's going to be the guy coming into 2018, kind of fill that role, be that leader, be that quarterback on defense, if you will. So great to see uh, TJ Brunson, you know, finish off the season on a high note. I'll give mine on offense to uh, Jake Bentley because I've, I've given him some crap all year. Uh, he was kind of running for his life 
the whole game against Michigan. That defensive line is unbelievably good. Um, so now this season they faced you know North Carolina State, who had the defensive player of the year in uh, Bradley Chubb. He played Georgia, who I think's I think they're. Um, their linebackers are better than defensive line, but it's still a great defense. Uh, Clemson's defensive line is probably the best in the country. Uh, and then you face Michigan, who's almost just as good. Uh, Jake was kind of run for his life his last couple games. Uh, and then you had a half of just, you know, it's just horrible half of offense in general. Uh, we come out in the second half like it's a new game. Uh, he made some throws that he hasn't made all year, which I thought was uh, really impressive uh, through two big touchdowns. Uh, without him, I don't know uh, if Gamecocks had it in him. And then on defense, I'll give mine to uh, Javon Kenlaw. I just thought it was awesome. The day before the game, he tweeted uh, something about se- separating himself from the rest so he, he could secure his bag. Uh, it made of his work because <laughs> he was responsible for uh, two of the turnovers in that game. And we said last week, whoever wins the turnover battle wins the game. Uh, and it was 3 nothing at one point Michigan when I tweeted that uh, that it was over. Uh, and then a Gamecocks come back and win the turnover battle, I think five to three or four. Um, so Javon mm-hmm. Kinlaw gets it on defense. Yeah, insane amount of turnovers in that game. I mean, and Javon Kinlaw, like you know, like I mentioned before, he's going to be he's going to be an absolute beast for South Carolina. I mean, you give him another full and you know conditioning and all that. I mean, he's the sky's the limit for Javon Kinlaw for sure. I think he's going to be playing football for <laughs> as long as he keeps Absolutely. his head up. That screwed on straight. So, yeah, like I mentioned, I didn't have it, you know, planned, I guess, but I do want to go through because I'm curious to get your thoughts, Tyler, just kind of, I guess, grading the the overall season for South Carolina offense, defense, special teams. We can do coaching too. Um, I'll start with mine um, on offense just really quickly. Offense, I'm going to be pretty harsh with the offense and give the offense a D, and I think it just relates back to – for this is for the entire season just because of the preseason expectations we had with – and Lee, you know, Rico Dowdle, A.J. Turner, Tyson Williams, Brian Edwards, the entire crew, you know, the entire slew of guys you had coming in. Obviously, South Carolina has made fire and Kurt Roper. Obviously, they're going to have a, you know, search going on. Maybe Brian McClendon gets the job. Maybe he doesn't uh, for OC, you know, but I think with everything, the expectations you had in preseason overall, I'd, I'd have to give the offense a D. But side, the defense, I mean – I think you've got to go A for them. I mean, probably A-plus, honestly. I mean, from what we expected the defense, again, to where they ended, they led the SEC in takeaways over Alabama by five turn or five, five or six takeaways after the bowl games finished up on <coughs> – excuse me – finished up on New Year's Day. I mean, so absolutely fantastic year by the defense. Again, Sky Moore coming back, I think, made all the difference. Um, the defensive line absolutely stepped up with Ulrich Jones – Taylor Stallworth, Dante Sawyer. You had guys like Sterling, young guys play some roles. Uh, TJ Brunson having a fantastic year. Jamarcus King, even like you talked about, had a pretty rough first half of the season, looked like a different player in the second half of the season. Secondary, you know, played fairly well. Rashad Fenton had a good year. Chris Lamont. So I think overall you got to get the defense, you know, Give the defense an A, I mean, for what they did, keeping South Carolina in games, just like they did in the Outback Bowl. Um, I think special teams overall, special teams is pretty interesting because if you grade it after the first two two weeks, you give it an A-plus with Debo Samuel back there. I, I'd probably give the special teams like a C-minus, C-plus, if you will, maybe just like a C in that range. 
Um, you know, South Carolina was obviously extremely effective first couple of weeks with Debo Samuel. Obviously, his injury really hurt the special teams unit. But I thought Chris Lamont did a, a fairly decent job returning punts. I mean, I, obviously, he's kind of a kind of back there. You sort sort of never know with him. I mean, there's sometimes he should definitely leave the ball alone. But I think overall, he did a solid job for South Carolina. Um, overall, after Debo got hurt, I don't think kickoff returns were really anything anything special, if you will. Um, and then obviously the, the struggles with Parker White. Um, the one bright, bright spot that you nailed in the preseason, again, I keep mentioning it, but Joseph Charlton had a really good year, I think, punting. Um, he had some really good punts this season. Uh, had a couple that probably should have been down inside the 10 against Clemson. You know, had a couple of decent punts in this game as well. So, um, and then finishing up, you know, I, I would give, honestly, Will Muschamp an A, a plus for his coaching job this season. I mean, again, in a season where, I don't think anyone was expecting really much at all. I mean, this was a program, again, you think about it 24 months ago, it was three and nine. It just lost the Citadel. Um, you know, and for the turnaround they've had since he's, since he's arrived, especially in this season, again, you know, it's, it's been phenomenal. So a nine win season, just seven time in school history, Will Muschamp, uh, I think he did a heck of a job. Yeah. So I think I'd give uh similar grades. I'd, I'd go D on the offense uh, without Debo Samuel. Uh, they were kind of, I don't want to say doomed, um, but it definitely didn't help. Uh, coaching job definitely gives gives that that uh, that rating down. Uh, I feel like you know we saw Michigan's a great defense. I think they're a top ten defense total defense in the country. I know they're the number mm-hmm. one passing defense. Uh, I mean, you find a way to score twenty six points in that game, um, but that wasn't there the rest of the year. I don't think at any other point in the season. Uh, without Debo Samuel, that team would have scored 26 points in that game. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with your uh, your D on offense. Uh, I'd go A-minus on the uh, defense. I mean, I don't want to say that uh, defense doesn't deserve an A-plus, but um, just statistically they weren't there with the other defenses around the country except for takeaways. Um, and I thought – you know, takeaways is something that, you know, that that's that's what they were kind of building themselves on. Um, you know, and they backed their word up. They said they were going to go out and get takeaways. And I thought it was awesome during the game. They said uh, T-Rob was saying, you know, he wanted to break the outback bowl re- or set the outback bowl record uh, in turnovers. And I, I was kind of laughing the entire game. I was like, well, I guess they're not going to get that. Uh, be a little <laughs> tough. And then they go and force five turnovers in the second half. And then, you know, they, they backed their word up. They said they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I think the defense, they definitely played better than I thought they would this year. Uh, and I, had, I had pretty high expectations for them. Um, like you said, Jamarcus King really really surprised me. I think after that Louisiana Tech game where he had the, the interception to, to start the comeback, um, after that I, I think he was one of the best corners, you know, in the league, or at least in the East, I'll say that. Um. Rashad Fenton was really good all year. Chris Lamonds was so consistent all year. Uh, those types of guys, and, and then you have the linebackers. You know, all of it combined, I think, uh, is an A minus defense. Uh, special teams, I got, we got to give the special teams an F. I'm sorry. Um, just just because of field goal kicking, it's like when you're in elementary school and you get a zero on something. There's no way you you can pass the class. Sorry, you know, it's just that one little thing because. You know, if you have a field goal kicker that's competent in the beginning of the year, you 100% beat Kentucky. 
uh, and then you you compete more in that A and M game. Yeah, you give yourself a chance to win nine or ten games in the regular season, you know, just by having a competent field goal kicker. Oh, I got to give coaching too, huh? Uh, coaches, yeah, coaching, foremost yeah. champ. Sorry, definitely gets an A plus. Uh, absolutely gets an A plus. I don't think anyone in the country thought they were going to win eight games. Uh, that that knows what they're talking about at least. Um, T Rob also gets an A plus because you know just developing players. Um, T J Brunson and D J Wanham are guys last year that you know Gamecock fans aren't really worried about. Um, and then Javon Kinlaw coming in his. And his weight loss and just getting into shape in general and then going out and performing the way he did all year. Um, those are three guys that no one really thought would have the impact that they did this year. And that's, that's all coaching. I don't really care what anybody says about that. That's all coaching. Uh, it's all development from an off season into a, another regular season. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, before we get, cause we're going to move and talk a little about basketball. I got, I, I do want to ask, obviously with the, it's going to make very, very, very interesting off season. I mean, anytime you win your bowl game, it's going to be there's a lot of hype going to be surrounding coming in the 2018 season. Offensive coordinator position. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Tyler, because I know I've got my answer. Did you know? Obviously, I, I don't think any of us were going to say we're not going to take too much stock in this Michigan game when it comes to the coordinator position. You know, who's going to get that job? In your opinion, would you? What would you do? Would you keep Brian McClendon on, or are you going outside the program for that hire? I don't see. My decision was made. I feel like before the Michigan game even happened, um, and I definitely didn't let Michigan game you know affect my decision. But I think Brian McClendon's got to be your guy because I think you know the younger guy is is the type of guy that this program needs because. You know, you look at T-Rob. I don't know how old T-Rob is, but I know Brian McClendon's 34. Um, I yeah, feel like he's not, those, T-Rob's not very old. Right, sure. so I think you need those types of, you know, younger guys uh, with a ton of energy and know what they're doing uh, to, to run a program because I feel like they relate with the guys more uh, that they're trying to recruit and that they're trying to teach. And then definitely on the recruiting front, we need Brian McClendon's got to be that guy because he has, you know, almost every connection possible in the state of Georgia. Um, from his years at Georgia. I put out a tweet the other day. I don't know if you see it or saw it uh, with all the, the guys that he was responsible for recruiting at Georgia. Oh, yeah. And it was, oh, yeah, it was pretty much it. every guy that had anything to do with them beating Oklahoma the other day, uh, plus Todd Gurley, um, Isaiah Crowell, Keith, Keith Marshall. Marshall as well. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, if you could just get half of those guys at South Carolina, you feel like you have a chance to win, to win a lot of games. Um, yeah, I just feel like he's – Plus, I don't, I don't know all the guys around the country that are available, you know, to hire as an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, a lot of the guys on on Twitter, all the analysts were really liking the uh, the guy out of Toledo, uh, and then Toledo goes into a bowl game against Appalachia State and loses thirty four to nothing. Um, yeah, so I just don't know, you know, what's available and who they're looking at. You know, I feel like <laughs> I could have a better, you know, estimate if I knew those other guys. Yeah, I've, I've, it was funny. I was listening to our friends at 107.5 The Game, and it was funny. They had some fans calling in. You know, uh, Rich Rodriguez just got fired at Arizona. They had people Stop throwing it. around that name. But yeah, they, and I know. They had people throwing around Art, Art Bryles, Kendall Bryles. Uh, yeah, you don't want to bring somebody like that into your program for sure. I, I, I will say this. You know, before the bowl game, I kind of thought – and 
to again let the let the Michigan game sway me. And for fans that are letting it sway you, remember there were two halves of that football game. But you know, before the game, I was kind of the of the impression that you know they go outside the program. You need to get a guy that's got a reputation, sort of a name, if you will, whatever. Um, but I'm kind of more so, you know, now I'm kind of leaning the other way. I mean, you know, you make a lot of great points as far as, I mean, Brian McClendon's a proven recruiter, undoubtedly. And, you know, he's been linked to people have obviously been trying to, I think Tennessee was trying to hire him for their wide receiver position. And I heard rumors of that. And it sounds like he's going to stay at, you know, stay on staff at South Carolina. But, you know, there might be a reason Brian McClendon is such a sought after, you know, assistant right now. Um, hurting ties and, you know, for me, more so with the offensive coordinator position, it's it's. I've told people this. It's not about the the name the name per se. I don't care who the person is. It's just all about scheme. And again, I, I think somebody made a great point to me when I was watching the game. One of the biggest problems it seemed with Kurt Roper is that he would come into a game and a little bit of controversy, or maybe the offense wasn't having success. He would completely scrap the game plan. I mean, we all heard. Bentley made and Hayden Hurst made after the the Outback Bowl when they blatantly just said, what was the difference, you know, in this offense versus the Kurt Oberall? He said, we actually ran the plays in the game that we ran in practice, which is a mind-blowing statement. You I would think so that's mad most when I read that. Obvious thing. So basically you're, what you're saying is the entire – the plays you ran in practice and your game plan for the game, once something – one thing went bad in the game, you just completely scrapped that and went to something completely different. Which explains a lot. I mean, it seems to explain a lot, in my opinion. So, I thought with Brian McClendon, you know, in his first opportunity, again, he was playing a great defense. And, you know, he stuck with the game plan. They made some adjustments at halftime. But I thought, again, he stuck with the game plan, uh, you know, what what he wanted to do. And eventually it worked out. I mean, I just think, you know, again, that quote that Jake Bentley had was was not made a big enough deal because – I mean, that's insanity. <laughs> that's, that's just it's just insane. So, again, nobody accused Kurt Roper of not knowing offense, but I just think that shows just in-game play calling, game plan. And, you know, again, that's what kind of what I talked about all year is having an identity. I think that's the reason probably South, South Carolina didn't have an identity. I mean, maybe they were trying to establish game to game, got completely thrown out the window because I don't know if Kurt Roper himself believed in the game plan. So. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I personally, I'm to the point where if they, I, I wouldn't be mad either way. And if they made a hire outside of the program, I will say McClendon's definitely the kind of guy that, that I would love to keep on staff. I mean, he just younger guy, the players all seem to love him. Um, you know, with the, you know, with the recruiting ties he has, like you said, you know, being in the state of Georgia, I mean, when to have him on your, on your staff, but um you know, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see how Will Muschamp. It's going to be a fascinating search to see how he kind of handles it. I, if I had to predict right now, I think Muschamp's going to promote Brian McClendon. I, I just think Muschamp seems to me like he's a big loyalty guy. He's very, very loyal to his assistants and to his guys, and I, I almost, I, I really feel like he's going to, he's going to give him the OC job. So we'll see. He, something that I heard during the uh, the Michigan game too. If, if South Carolina does do that. Very interesting, meaningless probably stat. But South Carolina will become three teams to have both of their coordinators be African-Americans. Huh. 
South, it would be South Carolina, uh, Western Kentucky, and Arizona. Both coordinators are African-Americans. So you'd have T-Rob and Brian McClendon. So, yeah, something to the little tidbit there. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, we're going to follow along with the search. It should be really interesting again, like we said. Transitioning into Gamecock basketball, things are not so hardwood for South Carolina. I'm not sure if you were able to watch that game last night, Tyler, or maybe even go to it, but – Gamecocks fell to 0-2 in conference play last night, first time since 2015, losing to Missouri. I don't have the score pulled up, but I think they lost by about 15 points. Um, before that, lost on New Year's Eve, you know, on the road at Ole Miss. Um, first off, Tyler, I ask you, have you had a chance – did you have a chance to watch either of those either of those conference games or no? I did not get to watch them, but I kept up with them you know, on my phone. Okay, yeah, I know they were – obviously with the New Year's Eve one especially, it was kind of a – um, I just don't like yeah, the nine o'clock to... game. The nine o'clock game. Yeah, is that not was good. That was one thing I was actually going to say about last night. It was, I don't know if you saw the tweet I had, but it, I, I put a nine p.m. Eastern start plus bad weather in Columbia equals Frank Martin almost undoubtedly complaining about crowd attendance. They yeah, said they only the have like a thousand, about a thousand people. people there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, not much you could expect of plus them. But anyway, in town yeah. yet? We don't have school for another two weeks. Uh, so there's no. Yeah, the nine p.m. The 9 p.m. Eastern start made absolutely no sense. I mean, for a, what, Wednesday game? It's because of SEC Network's programming. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I just think, you know, I'm not going to take too long, obviously, because, Tyler, you're the – I would say you're the basketball expert. But just from the little bit that I've watched South Carolina, watching Ole Miss, watching that Missouri game last night, I mean, it, it's just – South Carolina's extremely young. And, and Frank Martin was really blunt about it in the postgame. He said they have no leadership. He said the day before the game, so Tuesday's practice was probably one of the worst practices he's seen in his years coaching college basketball. He had a funny – it was kind of funny, I thought. He said David Beattie had the worst practice ever seen on Tuesday. So I was like, what did he do? Like, <laughs> what, what, what could he have done that was that bad? But I had the preview yesterday. I thought South Carolina, there, you know, South Carolina just has no guard play right now. I mean, Wesley Myers is whatever. Frank Booker's he's an okay guy. I mean, BD, but you know, Raheem Felder's not with the team, and Corey Holden is hurt. Who I think two guys that would tremendously help this team. Um, the one bright spot from last night is Chris Silva just continues to dominate down low. Again, just not enough. I mean. Tyler, talk about kind of obviously from what you've or you know what you've seen, what you've kind of kept up with, you know, kind of you know your takeaways from so far in the season. Obviously, extremely early, but you know, it you know it's it's. I think there's a lot you can kind of take away from these first two SEC games. Yeah, I think that's a typical. You know, the you have two really good you know power forward center combination in Kutzart and Silva, but you have really nothing else to go with. You have no guard play. Um, you know, Frank Booker's been pretty good at small forward, but he's all he is is a shooter. Uh from from the three at that. Uh so you have a you have a niche uh market, you know, kind of there uh in Frank Booker, and then you have guard play, you're asking Wes Myers to start. Um who's just really is he's not, you know, being your, your point guard that you need him to be uh in SEC play. This team, you know, is really gonna struggle without a Sonic Gravit. And I think even with a Sonic Gravit. Uh, I think they'll struggle just because of, of depth reasons. Um, but Chris Silva is so good. Um, his his transition from his freshman year, his freshman year, 
he could go out there and, and get three fouls in a span of a minute and a half and play 12 minutes in the game. Um, you know, he's going a lot deeper in games now. Um, wants him to be, you know, the leader of the team, and he's just not that guy. Um, yeah, but he can't do everything by himself, unfortunately, because it'd be really fun to watch. But, um, yeah, this there's just no depth, and there's no identity yet because uh, everybody's so young. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's you, you can just obviously see it when you're watching the games. There's no leadership out there. I mean, like I said, Chris Silva just doesn't seem to be that guy. And, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's – it's not Frank Martin's you know, not fault. Having a sonny, no, it's not Frank Martin's fault. Yeah, and I mean, not having a Sonny Gravit as well. I thought he was going to play last night, and they said he was going to play. Just said they didn't like what they saw in a you know, pregame shoot-around. So, you know, again, we talked about you lose Sin Thornwell, you lose P.J. Dozier, you know, you lose uh, Dwayne Notice. I mean, you lost, I think, about 72% of your scoring from last year. We knew there were going to be some growing pains. You just got to hope eventually somebody's going to, you know, step up in that locker room and be that leader and kind of take over. Because I think that's really what South Carolina is, you know, what they're missing right now for sure. And they actually host Vanderbilt Saturday at 645. So trying to avoid going to 0-3 in conference play. I might go to that um, Yeah, you should. I, I would go if I was going to be in town. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll get into some listener questions. We had a couple here from – Twitter, we'll start from Reddit, Cash96. Uh, what adjustments were made on offense during halftime? And then 602 uh, added to that question, who made the adjustments? So, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Jake Bentley, you know, definitely talked about, I think, in the passing game, I think, I think they kind of stuck with the gun, if you will. Um, maybe they made some adjustments to take some more shots down the field, but I think those shots were kind of set up by – you know, all the turnovers the defense gave them. So I just think, you know, running the ball to the perimeter more um, was definitely evident in the second half. There weren't so many up-the-middle type runs, um, if you will. We saw a little creativity on third and one. I don't know if you remember that, Tyler, but we saw the pass or just kind of a swing pass out to the uh, out to the flat or whatever, but we saw something other than a run at the middle on third and one. Um, one of my underrated tweets during the game, I thought, was, uh, it was Brian McClendon trying to figure out how to get a third and short. And it was the Zach Galifianakis math gift. I, I, thought that, I thought that deserved more love than it got, but whatever. Um, <laughs> next question from Reddit comes from Adaman360. Did Brian McClendon do enough to earn the OC job? We talked a little bit about that earlier as well. I don't think that get caught up in taking too much in this Michigan game. I mean, think about it. The guy had three weeks to get ready against the top five defense in the country. So. I, I don't know, but has he done enough over his coaching career to get a shot? Yeah, I think so. I don't think he'd be in consideration for the job in the first place if he hadn't. So, and then the last question comes from Twitter, Jay Cook Sports. Expect the OC position to be announced. I mean, Tyler, I would say pretty soon. I mean, I the next couple weeks. Now. I mean, you want to get that position locked down. Um, God, you like it like lockdown before National Signing Day, although I don't think South Carolina will have to really – I don't think that's going to be a big deal for them just because I think the rest of the guys they're trying to get are defensive guys mostly yeah. except Bryce Thompson, but I think he's the kind of guy that's going to stay no matter what, stay committed. But, it's you know, certainly before spring practice. So I would say – I would say if it goes beyond a month, I'd be shocked. Yeah. I mean, honestly. So I'd say the next couple of weeks. 
Um, but with that being said, that was all the questions we have. Moving to a little post-show, because Tyler, I know we both want to talk about what a wild day it was on New Year's Day for football. I mean, an absolutely fantastic day, and I was dreading every second of watching. I don't know how many of you, how many of you know our CEO, Andrew Stevens, went to the University of Georgia. Was absolutely loving watching him squirm every second of every possession in the first half for the Rose Bowl and was absolutely dreading watching him celebrate on Twitter the entire second half. Um, um, Auburn, you know, Auburn loses. I want to start. Auburn loses the UCF, which was crazy. They're now proclaiming themselves national champions, which is probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this, Tyler. They're going to have a parade. They're going to get rings. Uh, it's They're having a parade at Disney World. So they can go to Disney World after the parade. I think this is a kind of a joke. You know, just because of that one newspaper, and I think that they're trying to do, make it a positive thing and just say, you know, hey, let's let's go all the way with and, it. Just screw it. Hey, and uh, I'm not sure if the president or the AD, probably AD, but he actually said all the coaches are getting bonuses like they won the national title. Yeah, I don't see why you can hate on that. Just screw it. Let them, <laughs> let them get paid. Let them have their parade. I mean, they went 14-0. and That's so hard to do. Uh, you beat a yeah. really good Auburn team. I would just love to see UCF play Alabama. Oh yeah, I would. or Georgia, or Georgia, or Oklahoma, whatever. But or Clemson, yeah, just yeah, or Clemson. But crazy, I mean, I can't believe they beat Auburn. To be perfectly honest with you, and you know, Auburn full and sort of lays an egg. So UCF gets it up there. LSU falls to Notre Dame in what was really dramatic fashion. Notre Dame. I didn't really watch any of that game because it was on the same time as the uh, South Carolina game. But Notre Dame completed a pass down the sideline like a minute and a half left. To beat LSU. The ones that we want to talk about, though, you know, I know, Tyler, you were actually on the UGA side in the Rose Bowl. Of course, I was on the Oklahoma side because of my – the University of Georgia. Um, you know, I completely blame myself for this, by the way. Halftime that basically just made fun of Georgia getting blown out. And that tweet did not age well. That is – that is safe to say. UGA, with that comeback in the second half, I mean, it was crazy. I know, what did you have? UGA, you had them minus two, I believe I it was. Minus two, yeah. And you, the crazy part is you cover. you would have been good with the field goal. That's the craziest part. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The overtime. It was wild. But, you know, Georgia obviously put the – Sony Michelle with the touchdown. That that was a crazy game. I mean, it's if you're an Oklahoma fan, you got to be just so sick to your stomach. You kind of had that game wrapped up. What What did you think about the squib kick in the half? Oh, that's so dumb. So dumb. I had a sick. I had a sick feeling in my stomach after that. I'll be honest. This stuff like that always comes back to haunt you. Like, like the thing with missing extra. Point. It's like a missed extra yeah, point. It's the same way. The same way. Yeah. There's literally it, no logic to squibbing it. Uh, I don't. I don't know that Georgia returned one kick that entire first half. And it, definitely not yeah, enough it, to, to warrant a squib kick. That's it. They said Georgia hadn't returned a kickoff for a touchdown in six years. It's oh, like, you're worried they're going to do it now with, like, five seconds left? Yep, and that cost them the game. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nuts. I thought Oklahoma got so conservative. Yep, I thought they got so conservative in the second half, though. I mean, their game plan in the first half was the most unreal. It was like – it looked like they were playing NCAA football. I mean, it was insane Dude, the way they were moving on out Every play. Yeah. yeah. But Georgia – you know, that running game is so unbelievable. That running game was stupid. They, I mean, it felt like to me every time they gave the ball up, they weren't touched for the first 15 yards. 
I saw I saw <laughs> we talk about this on Twitter that uh, I think two nights ago. But I played NCAA for the first time and NCAA fourteen for the first time in probably four years or three or four years. Uh, my first game back, um, my my buddy was North Carolina for some reason, and I was South Carolina, of course. And our game was sixty three to fifty six. That's what that game felt like. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy. I mean. It was wild. So, Georgia, it's going to be Georgia and Alabama in the national title in Atlanta. Got to talk about it a little bit. Bama beats Clemson. Um, And, you know, Tyler, I got to say, you know, it was an absolute pleasure to watch Alabama beat Clemson the way they did because we haven't seen Clemson look like that in so long where they just – I mean, they just looked, you know, incompetent, really. I mean – 24 to six, about as dominating as you can get, you know, Kelly Bryant kind of was who I thought he was going to be. Wasn't that great under pressure. So, you know, I don't want to go too much in the game, but I don't, I don't know if you knew this Tyler or saw the tweet I have. This was the first time that South Carolina had won and Clemson had lost on the same day since 2014, November of 2014. So we hadn't had that feeling in a long time. So it was, it was, it was a ton of fun to watch that. Um, see Alabama, but we got an All-SEC national championship. So, I, what are your? Uh, I, I do kind of want to get your opinion. What are your thoughts on the All-SEC title game? I, mean, I don't really care about the conference thing, but I think it's the best game that could have happened. Uh, I'm really excited to watch it because you know this is the game we were kind of cheated out of for the SEC championship. Not really cheated out of, but you know it's the game you wanted to see. You wanted to see <laughs> yeah, Alabama absolutely. versus Georgia. Um, I right now they they have to be the two best teams in the country. Um, and you got to laugh in the face of everyone who said Ohio State deserved to get into the playoff. Yeah, because no, I agree. With I you. think that's yeah. why Alabama came out the way they did because they <clears throat> nobody thought that they would come out like that. Everyone thought that you know they didn't deserve to be there. Uh, their defense was the worst Alabama defense in however many years, and blah blah blah. Uh, Jalen Hurts sucks, you know stuff like that. You know, you give Nick Saban that kind of a you know <laughs> agenda going into a game. Uh, he's going to kill you. And that's why he's the goat. He, he killed him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely want to say first off, too, I'm not a, I, I want to say I'm not a conference homer at all. I didn't, I, you know, and it's so funny, you know, dude, I'll say it's so funny to go on Twitter and see Clemson people trying to come at South Carolina fans for, oh, you know, pulling for Alabama, this and that, which I, I've said forever, I've said for years, is I, I don't know who these people are. Like, I, I don't feel like I've ever seen these people. Maybe I'm just naive. I don't know that people that are South Carolina and Alabama fans for some ungod knowns reason. But, you know, pulling for Alabama on Monday night had everything to do with hating Clemson, had nothing to do with liking Alabama. I don't give a damn who the team was they were playing. So, I mean, I was pulling for Oklahoma to beat Georgia. So, I, I do not care about conference affiliation, whatever, but – I do think it's interesting and it's kind of funny to see, you know, we've got, you know, these guys like Joel Klatt and Danny Cannell who are just all up in arms about the all-SEC national title game. Danny Cannell blocked on Twitter for four years. I will say <laughs> it's a very smart idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's just been funny to see, like, people acting like the world just falling apart around them. D-teams in the national championship. So, it'll, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. It should be fun to watch. I mean, I – it's funny. I don't know if it'll be fun to watch outside of like a quarter of the country, but you know, whatever. We'll enjoy it. We'll have fun. We'll have fun watching that game. Should be fun. Who? I'll I put you on the spot. Who are you taking in that game? Oh man, it's so hard. I gotta take Georgia. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a flip of the coin, but I don't have any reason. Yeah, there's no reason behind my my argument. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think I I think I'm gonna go the other side and take Alabama just because I I don't know. You give Saban Saban had a month to get ready for Clemson. I know he doesn't have that long for this game, but I don't know. Running game against running game, strength on strength, and I don't know. Hard hard to pick against Alabama, but you know we'll see, we'll see. So. Uh, with that being said, that's pretty much going to wrap it up again. You know, be sure to follow us on iTunes, check us out on Stitcher, uh, also on Twitter at armchair S car, Instagram at armchair S Carolina. And, you know, obviously be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com for all of our coverage there, news, the podcast, of course. Um, and leave us some feedback. You know, again, we appreciate it. So, you know, in the meantime, we will catch you guys next week, probably talk some more Gamecock basketball. We're going to get into, Tyler, college baseball season just a month away. You know, one of my favorite times. We're going to preview that probably a couple weeks down the road. But uh, a lot going on in Gamecock land. So before I let you go, Tyler, you got any last words, anything you want to say? No last words. No last words. All right, perfect. Well, again, he's Tyler Clark. I'm Chris Phillips. This is the Spurs Up Show. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time.